0: welcome to the insomnia project sit back relax and listen as we have a calm conversation about just ordinary things in life certainly some of our episodes tend to be more let's say interesting than others but there's always an avenue to relaxation and calmness and possibly even sleep so i hope you find whatever you need on today's episode. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Thank you for listening. Joining me all the way from England is a, uh, is a guest that I'm excited to have. And uh, hopefully, by the end of this, we can consider ourselves friends. Tori Rushton, welcome to the Insomnia Project.
1: Hi there, Marco.
0: Tori, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, uh, it's it's a pleasure, and um, I I love uh, to be connected through the pond.
0: It's true, it's true. Um, we we have a common friend in association, Marilla Wax, and I love it how it's bounced from me and Marilla all the way back to her home country to you in England.
1: Absolutely, and pretty much her hometown because. We lived about three or four miles away from each other.
0: Oh, so have you known her since you both were younger, let's say?
1: Yes, we've known each other since uh, we were, you know, those wonderful teenage years.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's Mm -hmm. so wonderful. She's also been a guest on the show. So if you want to go back and listen to... Uh, me and Marilla having conversations about crochet and uh, voice work you can certainly listen to that
1: oh, I certainly will she's um she's great and her sister as well who is a fabulous crochet person
0: yes we mentioned her I want to get her on the podcast mm-hmm. as well I I meant to invite the listeners to listen to that not you Tori but I'm glad you you might go back and listen to that as well um <laughs> Speaking of voice work, you do voice work, and I want to mention your website. and I will have it in the show notes for everyone who wants to, anyone who um, isn't taking notes right now. But ToryTalksVO.com is your voiceover um, website.
1: Yes, that's right. I'm really excited about it because I've just joined the VO world, and um, uh, I became a radio presenter uh, for my local community. Uh, some years ago and um, yes. I really enjoyed being on the mic and I really enjoyed um, presenting and um, then in the world of editing and music and, and in fact it was Marilla Wex who knocked on my text door and uh, said, Tori, you know what? I think you would be great uh, in the voiceover world. So she actually opened that door for me.
0: Oh, how wonderful is that?
1: Mm, It's great. Yeah.
0: And that world also opened you up to the podcast world because you have a wonderful podcast called Music Magic Podcast. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, music is, is magical within itself. So the title says it all really and everybody it touches everybody whether you know you are a musician which I am I've been a musician for 25 years as a professional musician um, and started um, at a very early age I think I was about five when I picked up um, my first instrument which was the guitar and um, yeah so music is is something that that uh, can take you back to a place, a memory, a feeling. Um, it can give you that tingle sensation inside when you hear maybe uh, the drums if that's what you like, or the rush of a string orchestra. Um, and so I thought I would just try try to express that
0: for sure for sure it also music has the ability to transcend language in that you know everyone around the world can appreciate music not only of of their making but international music and songs touches everyone in mm-hmm. similar and different ways and your podcast music magic podcast explores three songs from your guests and what it means to them. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. Yes, Marco. So I just ask them, um, you know, what what three songs gives you that music magic? And um, often they do come back to me and say, my goodness, that is a task because how many songs are out there? How many pieces of music are out there that we've all you know, listened to or had experiences. So to narrow it down to three is, um, I, I'm quite impressed that my guests can do that.
0: Wow. So that makes me want to ask the cheeky question. Yeah. What gives you music magic? If you can name a song or two that that is music magic for you?
1: It's funny you should say that because one of my <laughs> guests did ask me that. Okay. <laughs> uh, he really did put me on the spot. Um, but, I'm a professional cellist. is my is my main instrument, and so I have to go with probably the best cello concerto ever played, um, by Jacqueline Dupré. Okay, I, and if I, I can, I've been probably listening to that since the day I picked up a cello, and I could listen to it in now, and I would still have that sensation that. They're almost goose pimples, if you like, when I listen to it.
0: Wow. So I need to ask, how did you find the cello? Or perhaps the better question mm. is, how did the cello find you? <laughs>
1: um, I happen to have um, a member of my family um, who, at the age of when he was 13, he started having um, some cello lessons and he and he brought it to my house and I was six or seven and um, I thought it was massive it was just this huge instrument in front of my eyes and um, I was just instantly intrigued attracted and then he played it and I loved the sound and so that was it really and I was very fortunate that there was a cello teacher at my primary school oh I see
0: just went from there really one of the things I love about the cello, and I could be totally wrong. This is just from an observer who's never played the cello, though I do love string and instruments, and I have a great yeah. string instrument story, if you want later, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, but it's it doesn't seem to be a delicate instrument, like, say, the violin. It seems to be an instrument where your whole body is involved, and it's kind of like one of these... Instruments where the more you use it and the more you give it force, the more force it gives back. Am I correct in that assumption?
1: It is a very um, strong instrument, and you're right. It's it's it doesn't have that tiny delicacies like like the violin. Um, it's it's a it's a solid instrument, um, but it has this remarkable um, connection with the human body and also with the with the sound it has a beautiful connection with the human voice and many people say that the cello is is probably the oh I don't know the that the best connection between um human voice some people say that when I play the cello it sounds as if the cello is talking oh really mm, yeah oh um, that's wonderful yeah. It's, so I feel like for me, the cello is my best friend. I can say anything to it by playing and I can I have feelings of when I'm 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 not so. So, you know, I'm probably angry about something I did or didn't do or or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling um, happy. Whatever the, my feelings are, I can express that with my cello, my best friend and um and i it's it's just a great connection
0: does when you play it does the sound resonate throughout your whole body
1: yeah because there is we're actually touching and we're actually hugging almost it's yeah it's, it's almost like the body your body is like the backbone of um of the instrument if that makes sense and so if you had a pack of or two books that are leaning into each other and they mm-hmm. would just stay on the table, if if you will, that's exactly the same between um, a player and the instrument.
0: There's certainly a grace and elegance to the cello or the cellist playing the cello, mm. and there's also a theatrical expressiveness to the person playing that instrument.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I, I definitely think that you. Um, you need to be very physical. Yeah, <laughs> you playing
0: the cello. You need to be fit to play the cello. Is that safe to say? Not like the tuba or other instruments where you expect to see, you know, a, a large German man playing the tuba. That's sort of the the stereotype I have. You don't see that when you see the cello. You see very fit people being very um, uh, expressive with that instrument.
1: Um, absolutely, because you have to you have to reach your arm over to get to the higher string, and then um, and then I think it's probably the music we play. As I said said before, it's so connected that we are at one. So we're just dancing around. We're 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 jiving. We're grooving, or you know, relaxing. Whatever music is played, it's yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. I can't describe That's wonderful. it too much, but it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I'm, I, I'm very, I feel very honored to myself in some ways that, that I chose that instrument and, and not the violin.
0: Right, right. Now, let me ask you this. I want to talk bows, cello bows in particular. Oh, yeah. What makes a good bow for you?
1: Um, a good bow... A lot nowadays, it's very different now because bows have, have changed so so much. And it used to be made of wood, but often these days they're made of carbon fiber. So it's the lighter bow, um, which which is really important because you've got the flexibility. Um, that's that's really it. But the but it's the bowing technique which takes years <laughs> Wow! to get, um, because if you think about it, the bow is the one that produces the sound. Wow. Um,
0: and and yeah. how long does a bow last for you?
1: It can last forever. I mean, um, I,
0: okay.
1: I, I've got two cellos. I've got an, um, a cello that's dated from 1823, I think. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And I haven't got the original bow from that, but I've got a bow that I have had since I got it when I was 15, and that's quite a few years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, um, But you can get antique bows that can date back to 200 years. So it's not the bow that changes. It's just the hair that gets used. So the bow needs to be re Frequently.
0: I see. And do you rehair your own bows? I never thought I'd ever ask that question, but I love that I just did. <laughs>
1: um, I would love to have, I, I actually um, uh, looked into being, uh, you know, I don't know what they call it, someone who rehairs bows, but I looked into a course on how to do it because. Wow. Um, it's just really fascinating, and also, I teach this instrument, and I have many students that have about not three hairs on their bow left, but they don't have a lot, and it's quite hard to find someone who does rehair bows. Um, yeah, but no, I don't do them. I don't. I, I have to go and see um, my luthier man, and he does it.
0: What What an interesting course that would be to take: how to re rehair a bow yeah. for your instrument.
1: I know it'd be so cool,
0: I would take it just to say I took that course <laughs> um, what would What would be the reason why you would want an old bow from the eighteen hundreds versus today 's um, carbon carbon bows
1: I think that you have to have the bow that matches the instrument, so let 's say for my two hundred year old baroque cello a a a bow an antique bow would would be superb because. Uh, the instrument was kind of m- and was made at the same time as the bow, if that makes sense. So, so it has sure. that has that kind of um, um, it will keep that oaky um, sound quality um, from 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 that. If I put if I played uh, my two hundred year old baroque cello with my carbon fiber bow, which is a it, it will sound nice. It will sound bright but it won't give that kind of proper depth so i do have a wooden bow that i use when i play my older instrument for example
0: that's awesome mm. what what was the moment for you when you said it takes years to really get the movement of the bow and the and the sound and and the expressiveness of the instrument was there a moment when you realized you had turned from someone who was playing the the instrument to a professional musician who understood and could relay all the beauty of that instrument i liken that to i i realized i was fluent in a language mm-hmm. when i started to dream in that language so mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if there's any moment for you and there might not be where you where you where you cross that line
1: it's really that's a really hard question actually because you kind of are developing all the time I see. And, and um, this instrument, like a lot of instruments, can be so diverse in, in genres. So you've got classical, you've got jazz, you've got rock, pop, you know, lo- lots of cello um, bits and pieces are, are in in rock and pop music these days. Um, and so your technique for bowing would have to adapt for the genre that you're playing in. Um. And I think so for me, it was probably a time when I could flip from playing jazz, then classical, then, you know, so probably those moments. And that that was probably would have been a time um, when I was studying in the uh, in, in Paris at the time I was studying Paris Conservatoire um, and. And and I could flip from one to another. Bit like what you were saying about the language, you suddenly flip from, let's say, English to French, back to English, you know, quite easily.
0: When you're in France, do you think in French when you're playing your cello? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, depends who I'm playing with.
0: <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, you, I should mention that we've—I've sort of fixated on the cello, but you also yeah. play other string instruments, as, instruments like the double bass, the guitar, yeah. the ukulele, mm. just to name a few. Um, tell me about the double bass.
1: <laughs> um, big Bertha, all the while, Actually, <laughs> um, um, my double bass is actually called Billy from Billy Holiday. Um and that's because I really love jazz. I love jazz always music. Too. Okay. It's just so cool and um I've got a, an absolutely huge um mentor friend of mine who's known me from a very very young age and he's always encouraged me with music. And when I was 12 I went to his house and um I was uh, he he actually played uh, accompanied me on my exams when I was younger with my cello and he's he plays a double bass and uh he said and the um,
0: in, the instruments look similar Yeah, right? they do to, look similar okay, yeah okay
1: okay yeah and and uh, i i went wow that's huge at the age of 12 and he goes well right. pick it up pick it up and play and i went can i and i went yeah pick up my double bass not a problem so i picked it up he just and then sat down on the piano and started improvising, and um, so I started improvising as well. And uh, yeah, just and I had the privilege to play lots of jazz tunes with him for for many years after that. And so I just kind of self-taught um, double bass. Um, yes, it's it's it, the depth of, of of the instrument, but yet the funk and the soul and yeah. the groove. And uh, it's it's awesome. It really is.
0: Is it safe to say that everyone looks cool when playing a double bass?
1: I think you have to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is one of the coolest looking instruments. Yeah. Like when you watch someone play a double bass, you're like, that person's just really cool. I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe it is the the... Jazz connection or something, but there's something about the double bass that just exudes coolness to me.
1: It, um What can I say? But yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's sometimes quite nice to look cool because when sometimes when I'm playing my cello, I just look a little bit serious with my classical stuff and a bit of Haydn here and stuff, and then I let my hair down when I pick up my double bass and and uh, yeah, kind of. And you you also have to you have to shake your head a lot when you play oh, really? double bass. Oh really? Oh of course you know, yeah. You know, you have to do a lot do a lot of nodding and looking around.
0: <laughs> One might even say bopping.
1: <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask you a question, Marco. Oh sure, of course. Yes, please. Yeah. Um so if there was, is there an instrument that you have ever tried or or play?
0: I took piano lessons when I was a child, but my teachers were not great. And so they they shied me away from the piano. But I do have a string instrument story that I'd love to share with you.
1: Mm, please do. So
0: I I have a sort of interest or, or fondness, I should say, for the banjo. And we happen to be in Oklahoma City and they have a banjo museum there. And so I said to my wife, I said, let's go to the Banjo Museum. Mm -hmm. It's a museum that you won't find just anywhere. So we went and we saw all the banjos from the different years. And there was a whole tribute to like Kermit the Frog and Mm -hmm. Steve Martin and other fantastic banjo players whom uh, I cannot name because I don't remember. And at the end of the tour, you could go into a room and they had some banjos that you could pick up and play. And so I was really excited about that. And I was like, I really want to do that. And w- w- we went to the Banjo Museum on the last day of our trip. And so we were going to go from the Banjo Museum to our hotel directly to the airport. Okay. Not thinking the Banjo Museum was as extensive as it was. It's a beautiful museum. And if you happen to be in Oklahoma City, I strongly recommend it as a stop on your tour. So mm-hmm. we got through the history of the banjo but i really wanted to play the instrument at the end of the tour in that room but we also had to get back to the hotel so i had very little time to enjoy this moment so i rushed into that room and there was this uh older couple in there who were who were from the area let's say they, they seemed like they were from the south and they and they and they had spoke with a bit of twang
1: mm-hmm. and i
0: rushed in and i looked on the wall at all the different banjos you could pick. And I saw a bluegrass banjo. So I was like, oh oh this is the one. And I picked it up from the wall. Unbeknownst to me, because I was in a rush, I looked like someone who knew what they were doing. And my wife's like, you walked in there and you said, oh oh this is the one and you grabbed it. You sat on the you sat on the stool as if you've been playing the banjo all your life. So this couple that happened to be in that room kind of sat back ready to hear me play the banjo. Now I've never really played a string instrument in my life so i put the banjo on my knee and i just start strumming away as if i knew what i was doing but making horrible sounds so this couple who thought they were going to see a little banjo performance because of the way I ran in there and was so confident, um, really got the exact opposite. And so they were kind of chuckling. And then my wife turned to them and said, sorry, I know he made it seem like he played the banjo. And her husband, who was a professional banjo player oh, said, no. I've never seen anyone walk into a room with such confidence. He goes, I was expecting to see a great concert performed by the, by your husband. So it was a really funny moment of, of a love for an instrument, but a lack of ability on my side
1: but that you know that 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 that's i think it's it's really important to to still go somewhere and be almost uh knowing what you're going to do it you know it sums up some some parts of, of life isn't it as well you just got to walk Mo- in there and and go for it
0: <laughs> most definitely i think i think if you want to have sort of a connection with whatever you're doing whatever instrument you might be playing or whatever let's say um sport you might be doing you have to have a bit of confidence when you do it because uh, it's almost a respectful way to approach whatever endeavor you're doing and so I certainly have the confidence there but not the talent in that moment
1: um uh, well even when I'm on professional stages I played um, my cello for a play at the at the Royal Shakespeare Company Theatre in Stratford upon Avon. Wonderful. Uh, I, I played um, a solo moment um, for for the dance, uh, and so it's just m- my notes, if you will, just in the theatre. Um, but um, every time, like I would have this huge thought in my head that I can't do it just for a split second and go, no, I can't do this. And then before I know it, I've been told to come in and I'm just playing it. So, you know, there is this doubt, always questioning doubt, but then there's another part of me that goes, don't be ridiculous. Just do it.
0: That might be the (laughs) cello talking to you.
1: (laughs) Probably, hopefully. She's (laughs) my my best friend. (laughs)
0: That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Tori, we're coming to the end of this episode and it just flew by. I want to thank you so, so much. I never thought I'd get so deep into the cello, but I had such a wonderful experience.
1: Well, I hope you're going to listen to some great cello pieces like the Elgar or a bit of jazz, maybe, you know.
0: For sure. If you were to give some advice to, say, a younger you or say to someone who's thinking about entering the world of the cello, what would that advice be?
1: Well, um, I think that if it's the cello or any instrument, I just think if you are willing to pick up any instrument, Just go for it. Don't don't. And if if, for example, the cello or guitar or the piano is not quite your instrument, don't worry. There are others. But I do think that learning an instrument is a very, very useful tool to switch off, to relax and also entertain people, your friends or or maybe professionally later. But definitely. And it's also good for other people other studies that you do as as a kid um that's so important and enhance enhances that uh, a lot so um yeah go for it especially cellos because uh, they're just cool
0: yeah they certainly are as you are tori thank you so much for being a guest on the insomnia project today
1: oh you're welcome and thank you so much marco for inviting me and i can't wait to hear all your episodes that i've missed <laughs>
0: Thank you. There's plenty of them out there for anyone who wants to listen to our back catalogue. And I invite you to listen to Music Magic Podcast, which is the podcast that Tori Rushton produces, hosts and makes available to you. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to listen and sleep.